Thank you, choir, orchestra, praise band, soloist, Terry. Thank you. Wonderful morning. Thank you for using your gifts for God. If you're listening in our simulcast, welcome. You believe the month is almost half gone. Not trying to wish away uh, life. I speaking to someone today, they were just saying they're putting away their Christmas stuff now. I said, why? You're going to put it up in about ten and a half months. All right. Boom, it goes fast, doesn't it? Anyway, welcome all those in the simulcast. All of you who are here. Thank you for starting off your new year looking at God's Word. Sometimes there's things we need to say and things we don't need to say. And here's how the fight started. Oh, no, is right. That's Because right. it's Bubba. He does get home from his fishing trip, and he looks kind of tired and exhausted, but he sits down, supper's ready, and his wife says, Bubba, how'd it go? <clears throat> well, darling, I think I saved old Cletus's marriage today. Seems like he wanted to leave old Maribel. Bubba, I'm so proud of you that you did that. What'd you do? Well, seems like he's getting ready to leave Maribel because he hadn't spoken to him in six weeks. I said, Cletus, you better think long and hard about that. Women like that is hard to find. <laughs> And that's how the fight started, right? <laughs> All right, two-way street on it. But anyway, bottom line is how do you respond? You know how that fight started, but how do you respond? You see, many times we're in a tug and pull war with the Word of God and how we respond to it. Today's message, how should I respond to Scripture? How should you respond to Scripture? We have five different significant elements today we're looking at of how we should respond to Scripture. We're going to start with the first today, search and study Scripture daily. Demographers tell us, those that study the world, people get information, tell us that the study of God's Word is not something that even believers should be very proud of their record Don't do it very often, don't do it long enough, and don't certainly study it enough. Now, may not affect you in this room, but let me say this to you today. Every person ought to listen carefully to how we should respond to God's Word. The Word of God tells us we should, we study the Scriptures daily. It says in Acts 17, 11, Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examine the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. When you think about this, it says they were more noble, had more noble character. Noble because every person that's a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is the child of a king. And you've been given a noble cause, and I've been given a noble cause. And to know the desires of the king, to know the will of the king, we have to know what the king tells us. And that takes getting into God's Word and studying them daily. They received the message with great eagerness. Many people in our world, across denominational lines, aren't listening to what their pastors, what's coming from pulpits, not listening to what's coming from the message. Checking it out, is that what God's Word say? What does God's Word say about gender, relationships, truth, morality? What does God's Word say about that? And there are many people that you can go and you can listen to and they'll get their ears tickled because they hear from pulpits 
They learn in seminaries, well, everything changes, and we're going to redefine some of the things that God has said in his word, or the Bible says. They're outdated and outmoded. Let me say this to you. God's a little smarter than that. God knows no matter how long mankind is on this earth, whether it's five more days or five million more years, the human spirit is the same as it's always been, isn't it? Read and look at the Word of God. Study people across generations through the ages. We find people that are close to God one minute and the next minute running off with someone else. The Word of God doesn't need any correction. Since God can make an eyeball that has 10 million, excuse me, 100 million cells interact with one picture, God has figured out what humanity needs. And you can see across our world today, the more we've taken out God's Word, God's principles, God's practices, you can see what's happened to the world. Do I need to elaborate on that too much? We have epidemic of substance abuse, epidemic of people seeking counsel, epidemic of people with depression issues, all kinds of issues. It shouldn't be in a place where there's plenty of resources, should it? In an enlightened world, and yet it is. Why? You can put your own exclamation point on whatever you want to say. But I believe it's because the word has been left out of so many different places starting at home. The Bereans studied the word more. And they were of noble character. Reputation is how people know you and people can fool other people. But character is how God knows me and how he knows you. People can be fooled. They get jobs because they lie in resumes or deceive. They can get promoted because they don't tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. But God knows the whole truth. It's called character. They had noble character. They acted consistently with the master they served, the king of kings and lord of lords, therefore noble character. And they weren't going to get fooled by what Paul was saying. They checked it out in Scripture. And yet I say to you today, there's denominations that are splitting apart. People that I speak to some week in and week out are saying, do you teach the Bible here? Is the Bible taught here as it is and as it reads? I could say, yes, it is. What else would we teach? If all I have to teach is human wisdom, you don't need to come here. You can have your own. If we go back to the days of Noah, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. You don't have to look very far. It's here today. You can find your own way and think of your own thing and say, look, nobody's going to tell me. And probably you're partially right. If there is no God, no one can tell you. But ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake about it. These are designer created that put things into existence we can't even understand. Your very body, all that you see around you, given to us by God. And it's amazing, isn't it? And we can walk by it and it can become almost mundane to us. We can forget a designer creator put that right here. Even your ability to hear, God has done. What chemicals put that together to make you feel, to hear, to see, to understand, to make organs work simultaneously even while you're sitting here? To help you to sleep back there. No, just kidding. All those different things. God put it together. If you think a mere random explosion did that and brought order, dear friend, your very mind deceives you because everything else tells you from what you see that it takes organization, it takes creative ability, it takes intellect, not randomness. And so the Word of God tells us that these Bereans were studying the message with great eagerness. 
and they examine them every day. Whether you're looking on your cell phone, your laptop, some other device, or in the pages of the Word of God, it's to be a daily study. We're not to glean just off of someone else's. We're to take and read it for ourselves, to look at it and see daily. Because the daily reading of God's Word does many different things. But that's a start. And it's to be received with great eagerness. God, what do you have for me today from your word? As you look in it, have you prayed that? You pray, God, I want to look today and see, do you have a special word for me today? And when you do, you will look and you will search the scriptures and you will see. And you're welcome. And everything I preach or teach from, it better be in agreement with the word of God. And if I have something that I'm sharing that I say, this is what I believe about this. It's not found in scripture, but I believe scripture leads to this. I will tell you so. I will never say the word of God says the word of God doesn't say. And you can look and examine it for yourself. And you can hear my words. This needs no correction of any moral code in it. God, in the very beginning, in Genesis 1-1, created I believe it. I know that God did it. And I believe he will come back. When the earth is destroyed, it's not going to be by man. It'll be by God Almighty. It'll recreate it. That's what this word tells me. Study God's word daily. The word examine there. Anacrino is a word that's used for a judicial investigation. Where it says they examine the scriptures daily, they went in to really see. Is the message I'm hearing the message from God's word or something some man made up? Go into it as an investigation. Find out. Look and see. Study them that judiciously. No pun intended. Look at them. Find out. Always be open to truth. Even if the truth hurts. Because many times it just does. Look at the second element where we're told to study the scriptures daily. We're to look at them and let them dwell in us richly. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. As you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Wow, whole bunch there. But let's look at it. First of all, an excellent way to learn God's word is to teach it. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. When you have to teach God's word, I'm not saying necessarily formally. You can be teaching it in your family. You can talk to friends about it. You have to really learn it, don't you? When a friend or co-worker or a student in your class or someone that you know asks you a question, you have to really study it. And when you study it, you can teach it. You have to learn it. You find yourself going, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. Find an answer. And dear Christian, It's okay to say, I don't know, and I have the answer for that. I'll find an answer for that. I'll return to you. I'll refine an answer for that. So don't be discouraged because you don't have every answer. And don't get out there and start talking about the truth because you don't have every answer to everything in life. Only God does. But there's lots of answers you can find. Don't let it back you into the corner of shame. Word of God tells us that the word of God is to dwell in us richly. It's not to be something that's just taken spuriously and leave. The word dwell, as a matter of fact, is a great word. It means to make residence in. Let the word of God make a home in your life, in your heart. 
It should dwell there. It should be at home in your life. Not an unwelcome guest. Get out of here. I don't want that today. It should be dwelling. That's what the word is talking about. And okio. It's a great word to live in, to, to take residence in. Should be dwelling in our hearts. It's a great place to put it. You see, because the words of Scripture are alive. They are the living words of Scripture. And you see, because it dwells in us richly, what does it do? It does some things. Uh, can we go back, if we can, just to, to uh, 3.16 for a minute? Thank you. What does it say? It's not only an intellectual pursuit to know God's Word, but look what grows out of it. It's intellectual and it's also emotional. Why? Why do I say that? As you teach and admonish, two different words, teaching more on the positive level, the, the blessings that come from God's word. But admonish means on the negative things. Sometimes it admonishes us. Don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the spirit. Sometimes it tells us the truth about us. It may be painful, but it's true. So it teaches us positively, admonishes us against the negative things with all wisdom, Sophia, Sophos, Wisdom, the proper application of knowledge. It teaches us how to read it and then apply it properly to the different settings. As you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart to God's. That's the emotional part. You see, out of the word of God, we are connected as emotional beings. And God wants us to be able to sing the psalms. They were taken right from the Old Testament, just like a lot of the music we were singing today. It's taken from the word of God. But they, they tell us, what's the first century church like? As you sing psalms, taken right out of the book of psalms, taken from the Old Testament, they sang those, carried those into the church. They also had uh, hymns, hymns that were an expression of the presence of God. And they had hymns back then. We have hymns today as, the, as expressions of God, what God means. And it says also spiritual songs, spiritual songs are those songs that uh, we can sing that talk about someone's experience with God that you may hear. And many of those that play in, 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 the, in the circles of life today and back then. But more than anything, you see what it is? Out of the study of God's word, these different things come up. As you admonish one another, as you teach one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. You see, worship, the singing of worship is exactly that. It's to God first. We get to benefit as secondary blessing of that. We're not the first blessing. It's not to come so we can be blessed and say that was good. It is to bless and lift up God and worship God. Out of that, the blessing comes forward that we too are blessed. But it's secondary, first to God. That's what that is. And it is that emotional response that we have to God's word. Sung and told in a testimony of who he is. So if you find yourself humming something, or you can even make up a spiritual song about your experience with God. God's not offended. See, if you're making it up, it's your song. Right? You can drive along in your car. People may think you're crazy. It's all right. I think there's some crazy people I'd park next to when I'm stopped at a light that have profanity coming out of their car. Have you ever heard that? And wow, what's that about? But you can sing psalms, you can sing hymns. That's a wonderful thing to do. It's a blessing to have that and have that in your heart so much that as God's word dwells in you, you can sing that, admonish and bless 
be part of the emotional and the intellectual pursuit in God's Word. It'll always lead to something emotional because God created us in that way, didn't He? So let it dwell. Let it find a home in your heart. It's a blessing when God's Word finds a home in your heart. Thirdly, the Word of God says we are to delight in Scripture. Look at Psalm 1-2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. There's something very special about delighting in Scripture. When you say, I have to, it kind of takes it, kind of, well, takes a lot of the air out of the sails, doesn't it? It's like a Bubba card. Here, I had to get you this card. It's your birthday, right? Happy Valentine's Day. I wasted three bucks on this because it won't last till next year. That's why I didn't sign it. You can reuse it. Delighting in the law of the Lord. God, thank you for your word that guides my life and steers me from the, the nature in me that's treasonous at times. Thank you. It guides me to say the right thing. It guides my mouth. It guides my heart. It guards my feelings. I delight in that law. It's a wonderful thing. And it says that we are to meditate on it. Why have we allowed Middle Eastern culture that is not Christian culture to rob the word? I see and I watched something recently where the showed this person meditating. And they're humming because they're clearing everything out of their mind. That's transcendental meditation. Clear everything out. That's the exact opposite of God's Word. God's Word is to meditate on His Word. It's not to clear your mind out. It's to fill it with His Word, His principles, and His precepts. It's to meditate on that. When you read and you start out by saying, God, what do you have for me today in your Word? And then you meditate on that. Or whatever principles you have. It's a blessing you'll be able to do that. God wants us to do that. And you'll notice something. It'll tell me how I need to change how I need to act. While you meditate on it, there's something that comes forward and says, how should I respond to Scripture? Should I change this? Should I add this? Should I not say this? Should I go this way? How do I respond to that? What should I do when I go here? God's Word can lead us and guide us. Now, I want you to see something on this next slide. The more a person delights in the Word of God, the more fruitful we will become. Look at the very next verse in Psalm chapter 1. We just looked at verse 2. Let's look at verse 3. What does it say? He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. See, when you're delighting in the law of the Lord, when you're delighting in God's word, something incredible happens. It says you're like a tree planted by streams of water. In our society, water's not a big deal. This morning, I went to this device. It's metal. I pulled this lever, and water came out of this little hose thing on my sink. Crazy, isn't it? Went to my refrigerator. I pressed against this little uh, rubber thing in there, and water came out, already chilled, filtered. Wonderful. Do you think the Apostle Paul had that? Water was quite a commodity. And if you're a tree planted by streams of water, streams presupposes something that is running. It's fresh water. It's good water. 
And a tree planted that meant it was connected to a source of life. It meant that tree was going to be green and grow and have life in it. And you could look at it and see life when you are connected to the word of God. When you delight in it, you will be like a tree planted by streams of water. You'll be connected to the water of life. You'll be connected to the living water. It'll fill you when people are able to look at you just like when you look at a tree. You can see a dead tree with the leaves that are getting brown and the branches that are falling apart. You can tell dead, but you can also tell alive. Someone will see you and they'll see the greenness of growth in your life. They'll watch you grow and experience. That's what trees are made to do, aren't they? They grow. And you will be like that. You will grow in your life spiritually, emotionally, physically. God even takes care of us in our old age. But the Word of God says that the more we delight in His Word, the more fruitful we become because we're connected to the source of life. And see, trees don't live without water, do they? But for so long. He is like a tree planted by streams of water and yield its fruit. Pastor, I haven't seen much fruit in my life lately. Maybe God is speaking truth into your heart today that the, the lack of a yield of fruit may be because what I'm saying right here. Maybe there hadn't been that delight in the Word of God. Maybe there hadn't been that daily study in that, and therefore, not much fruit. That's why our discipleship groups get people connected to the Word of God, reading the Word of God, talking about the Word of God, so we can be connected to the Word of God and yield fruit in life, meditating on it so we can make sure we're doing what's connection of God's Word. What does God's Word tell us? How should I change? How should I meditate on it? If you want a fruitful life, start by taking God's Word in, delighting in it, because you'll be like a tree planted by living water, flowing water, that'll bring about green and life in your life. What else? Word of God says, hide them in your heart. Unfortunately, many Bibles are hidden on shelves and in bookcases and other places where the Word of God is hidden there. If demographers, if what demographers say is true, most believers, and I don't know how they define that, but people who profess they believe in Jesus don't do much with the Word of God. Now, all of us here would decry the fact there's a lack of the Word of God in our Word, in society, in our schools, in the workplace. But no one's told me that I can't go into any workplace or restaurant or other place and bring, I can't bring the Word of God in. He's hidden my heart. Hidden your heart. And you hide it in your heart. In Psalm 119.11, I have hidden your Word in my heart so I can be a braggart and tell how much I know. Is that what it says? No, of course not. What does it say? that I might not sin against you. Do you realize that the memorization of Scripture is a shield against sin? Kidding me? No, I'm not. God tells us where our eyes should go in Scripture. He talks to us about worry. Some of you in this room would say, I'm a generational worrier, right? Pastor, I can't help it. It's in my genes. Well, welcome to the human race, right? You know, what is that saying uh, Bubba may have? Uh, worry must work because 99% of what I worry about never happens. Wait a minute. Look here. 
The Word of God is a shield against sin. When you hide His Word in your heart, you can say and bust yourself when you get to that point and you find yourself going from concern, which is a good thing, to worry. Worry is a lack of dependence and faith in God. When I'm doing that, the Word of God says, be anxious for nothing. Be worried about nothing. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Well, what should I do? The verse tells us, be anxious about nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your mind and your heart in Christ Jesus. God, God not only guards our mind, the seat of our thoughts, he guards our heart, the seat of our emotions. And when your emotions are telling you to go this way, when you say, God, I'm going to take this before you, like Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, be anxious for nothing. God, I thought I was an exception, but it's not. I'm not going to be anxious for my job, for my grades, for the situation, for the report where I'm coming back waiting for my biopsy results and say they may not look good because you tell me not to. So I'm going to by faith believe that because, God, I wouldn't if it weren't for you. I'd worry, and, God, I know it won't change anything, but it, it just does something in me emotionally. But I'm not going to do it because I'm going to worship you. I'm going to pray a prayer of prosuke, what the word is in prayer. It's a prayer of adoration. Then I'm going to supplicate. Then I'm going to ask for what I need. Then I'm going to give thanksgiving because I've handed it to you, and you will hand the right thing. See, there is something formulaic about it when you can call it up. God, I don't have enough strength to handle these kids one more day. My grace is sufficient for you. My refuge and strength, Psalm 46.1. God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. They're thrown up again. It's 2.30 in the morning. God is there even in the midst of that. It's in suffering, hurt, pain, disillusionment that we find out a lot about ourselves. Where God is able to test the metal of our true faith and see just how strong it is. But the bottom line is, you see, God says we are to hide it in our hearts. So I ask you, I challenge you for 2020. One verse a week. One verse a week. Start with Jesus wept. Everyone can get one right, right? So... But look at it. Hide his word in your heart. Don't worry if you don't remember it perfectly when you're calling it up. God knows what it is. He wrote it, okay? He spoke it. But you can call it back. I know, that, I know in Psalm 46 it's talked about. I know what it says in Psalm 119. I know what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells me about trusting you with all my heart. And God, I want to do that right now. I want to give this to you. See, when you hide it there, you can call it back up. It's a well. It's a reservoir. It's a reserve so that we don't sin. The same things keep coming back to me, Pastor. Good. It shows that we have to be dependent on God. You think God can't take the desires away that he put between men and women or between people and money and stuff and things and all the other things that exist? He could, but a lot of it's there. The things that we say, I hate this keeps happening. They're there to show just how dependent we need to be on God, aren't they? To call his word up. And then we cut off the very source that's the stream of water the very source, because we can become so arrogant, we think we know better than God. I already know about that. I already, that doesn't work. I, it keeps happening. keeps happening for a reason. You can guard yourself in temptation and give God the glory. Say, God, I would have done that or looked there or seen that or went another way, except for your word, God, and I hand that to you as worship, because it's not me. That's about you. Turn it into worship. That's a blessing that comes from that. The law of the Lord. What? The law of his God in his heart, his feet do not slip. A lot of feet slip 
because the word's not in the heart. Some of it may be in the head. Some of it may be through the experience of another person. Some of it may be through sitting through a worship service in some place. But if the word is not in the heart, your feet are going to slip. For sure, they will slip. When David took his eyes off of God and went in the wrong direction, did his feet slip? Let me ask you, would you have the audacity to say, I'm a man after God's own heart even more than David? Because if you say yes, I'm going to say, well, you've gone on there and slew that giant. And see if you say, maybe not. Because there's less than giants all around us every single day that God wants to get slain. And if you haven't even attempted some of those that are just mere human peers, your same size without the uh, spear so big it could weigh as much as a person, don't think that the devil doesn't see you and the arrogance of thinking my feet won't slip, I'd never do that. The second you say that in your dating life, your marriage life, your work life, your friendship life, your feet are getting ready to slip. Mark it down. Arrogance. The devil doesn't need to bother you too much. He's already got you. You've deceived yourself. That's why the Word of God says you've got to hide it in your heart. Meditate on it. Memorize it. Delight in it. Read it daily. Because without it, we're not planted by any stream of life. We're planted by our own subjective thinking. Next verse. What should I do with the Word of God? Of course, we're to do all the things, the four things we've talked about that, but we have a whole generation growing up right now, a generation growing up that's the most biblically illiterate in our nation's history. Lots of reasons for it. It's not a message about that. I don't say that subjectively. I say that from the studies and things I read about God's Word. But right here, I'm talking to us. So as a church, what do we do? We seek to supplement parents. Parent will never replace you. We can't. But I guarantee when I went through that children's area this morning, there are children drawing depictions of different Bible stories, doing little cutout things and making them and finger painting with things. I love seeing them do it. They're learning it. They're learning it now. When they come and they sing in our children's choirs, they're memorizing things that are wonderful principles about God. One of the reasons we do it. One of the reasons we have it. One of the reasons, even if your child's in here today, and they're not understanding everything that I'm saying. Don't feel bad, kids. A lot of the adults don't either. It's all right. But they're with you as a family. It's part of our philosophy of ministry. They're with you together as family, worshiping together. I didn't learn anything that past. But, you know, I always remember my mom and dad stood up, and they sang from their heart. Remember them taking notes or looking at their phone and seeing what they're tell you something. That's a great thing, a wonderful thing. Here's what Deuteronomy 11, 19 and, uh, 18 and 19 say. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Next slide. Watch this. You see a whole order of, of Different things the Word of God says where we're to teach the Word of God. Moms and dads, grandparents, great-grandparents. Teach them to your children when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Yes, when you sit at home, there's some great teaching moments about honesty, integrity. There's some great stories in the Word of God to teach your children if something goes astray. When you walk along the road, say to your little child, did you see that butterfly just land there? Aren't they beautiful? 
They're just flapping, looking around. Go to the next little flower. Did you know that some of those travel farther? Remember when we went to see Grandma and Granddad in Florida? They traveled farther than that from a country called Mexico, 1,600 miles against the wind. Yet they're so light, you could blow them away. But God designed them to have their wings shaped and go at the right angle to be able to go against the wind and fly all that way. Isn't that something? And they come from a caterpillar. Should we read about that? It's a wonderful thing what God has created with that. See, they're walking along the road. There's wonderful things to teach them when you lie down, when they're getting ready to go to sleep. Bring them in the nurture and admonition of God's Word. Tell them about how wonderful God's watching over them. He has guardian angels for them. Wonderful things to teach why they do that. And when you get up, what is the Word of God saying? It's saying that we should teach them in our whole lifestyle. That it's more than just intellectual. It's the everyday experience, parents, in your home and in this church. I know sometimes children don't always get it perfectly right. Some of them are going to run around. Some will spill some things inside in the CLC or whatever they do. I've said many times, members of our church or some folks that see that, Pastor, look, I want to see some scratches and some worn out carpet. I want to see that, not, not from misuse, but from use. If there's some misuse, just assume it's going to happen. Does it happen in your home accidentally? Has there an adult here that's never spilled something? Right? Right? If you think you're so good, you don't need car insurance, do you? You'll never have an accident. <laughs> right? But the thing is, that's a blessing. When you see children through our halls, would you bless them? Let them know, God, I, I love going to church. I love being with God. I love my teachers. I love the people. Parents, we want to assist you in that. But how are they going to learn the things of life? A generation's growing up that know much about loyalty. I'll pick this from this church, go to that church for that thing, go to this group for this thing. I don't have to be a member because some pastor told me, you don't have to be a member, not even in the Bible. But I want to say this to you. It is in the Bible, the principles of loyalty, churchmanship, and belonging to a local assembly. And some people, let me just bust it here and let the people say, see, you got to it. Some people don't want to do it. They don't want an offering envelope that says you're a member where you should give something because nobody should tell me what to give. We're living in the New Testament. Nobody's going to tell me I should give to somebody. Send me some envelope. Well, dear friend, let me say this to you. If you're listening out there or in here, I don't apologize for God's word telling me that, Joe, you need to bring your first fruit to God. You need to bring that to him. A tithe, 10%. Start there. But pastor, this is the New Testament. You're right. Now it's only a starting place. Thank you. It's a starting place because of grace, because Jesus didn't give 10%, did he? So it says something about our lives. When you're saying, no one's going to tell me, friend, I'm not telling you. God's word's telling you, and if will a man rob God, that's between you. But how will our children learn? Parents, if they don't see you doing that, or if you don't give them 10 pennies or 10 dimes when they're toddlers and say, put this in your envelope. There was a time in our church when I came here that they discontinued children's envelopes. Do you know why? Because they cost more than we were bringing in. The envelopes cost more than the children would give. I said, that's a really good reason not to give our children envelopes. 
Right? Out of all the problems we face, I said, can we get those here by this next Sunday? I, in fact, I don't think I said that exactly like that. But they were here the next Sunday. Because we want our children to learn a principle. Listen, folks. I've been very blessed in my life. Very blessed. I'm not telling you, because I hope you give a lot, because I get percents of all that comes in this place. I'm telling you because you will miss the joy of giving and watching God work. We have many people in our church that live on 30, 40, 50% of their income and have incredible things. Can't explain it. I don't know how I even have how this happened. And we don't do it to get. The blessing is giving that to God and showing your children, showing that generation. We put God first, not just with our mouth, with our resources. Where are they going to learn that? Parents, it happens at home. Where are they going to learn about humility? They're going to learn at home. Where are they going to learn about honesty? They're going to learn at home. We can reinforce it, but that's where they'll learn it. Where are they going to learn about backbiting? They'll learn in the car leaving from this place today. When you think they're not listening, and trust me, they're listening. Where they can learn about what it is to belong to a local church. How do they get that? How are they going to learn about prayer? Those things, that's why the Word of God says, teach them when you're sitting, when you're lying down, when you're walking, wherever you are. Teach them in the everydayness of life. So, how do we respond to the Word of God? As pastors are coming forward, God may have spoken into your heart the very first point. We're to search and study daily. Perhaps you've gotten the habit of not doing it daily. The great, there's a great thing that God did. Failure can be corrected while you still have breath in your lungs. You have to own say, God, I've sinned. I haven't studied it every day. I've taken it for granted or I blew it off or I'm too busy. Friend, none of us are too busy for God. Amen? Many Monday mornings, we have our pastoral prayer time. These guys probably heard me say ad nauseum when I come up. I'm too busy not to pray. <laughs> Mondays, can everything's hitting the funnel. I'm too busy not to pray. And I'm too busy not to stay in God's Word, not make it as an excuse as a pastor while I'm studying for these other people. No, personal study time with God. I need it, you need it. Secondly, let it dwell in you richly. Dwelling in you, meditating on it. Do you meditate on God's word? Delight in it. Do you take delight in his word? Do you hide it in your heart? Do you have as a goal to memorize pastor, at least chapter? Do you can say, I know this chapter speaks of comfort. It speaks of support. It speaks of how to witness. It speaks of those things. Yes, God, I want to be with 1 Peter 3, 5, uh, 3, 15 and 16 say, to sanctify you in my heart. Be ready always to give an answer to everyone that asks me a reason of the hope that is in me. But I want to do it, as your word says, with meekness and fear, having a good lifestyle, that where it may speak evil of me as an evildoer, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse my walk in Christ. God has that for us. It's a rich treasure trove. Hide the word in your heart and teach it to the children. We'll do our part here. We do it through worship ministry. We do it through our teaching, RAs, GAs, scripture members, lots of places. I don't want to go to so many mission opportunities. But if God's people, think about it, are not zealous for the word of God, 
How can we point out to the world and say, look out there, look what's happening. It's got to start with me and with you. And 2020 can be the best year we've ever had. I'm believing God for that. It's already started off wonderfully. Let's keep it going. If God has spoken truth into your heart, you want to come and pray with a pastor. You want to come and pray with one of our deacons and say, here's something that God spoke to me about today. I'll leave that between you and the Holy Spirit. If you don't have a church home, let me say to you, we'd love for you to take this Lawndale Baptist as your church home. You can come today as a candidate for membership. New members class next Sunday, 915. Having received Christ already as your Lord and your Savior, the only one that can save you. We do not teach religion in this church. We do not teach denominationalism in this church or pastor worship in this church. We teach Jesus is the only one that can save you, Jesus Christ. And today, if that is your heart and you're looking for a church home where that's declared, do it. God bless you for coming even before I say stand. Thank you. Do that. You come forward. that want to receive you. You saw this hour. Our young people made some commitments. And aren't you glad to have an excited student area over here? God bless you, students. I love that. God bless you. Love that. They're building bridges, our young adults, all through here. And lastly, if you haven't made that commitment to Christ yet, if you're listening in the simulcast, you're right here. Listen carefully. Friend, God loves you with a love you can't even... It's inexplainable other than it's undeserved and it's merciful and it's gracious. Graciousness is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is withholding what we do deserve. God provides both those things, but he died on the cross for my sins and yours. He took our punishment. He bled and died, rose out of the tomb three days later, and offers eternal life as a gift if you receive him as your Savior and Lord. Following and being a disciple of Jesus is not an easy road. I would not lie to you. But I said to our deacons yesterday, I say to you today, it's not easy. Jesus said, pick up a cross and follow me, not to be saved, but because you are. Not easy. It costs something. But the value of doing that is way above the cost. I invite you to take that walk with Jesus today. Please stand. Don't wait. We're here. We want to hear from you. Please come forward and express it.